Happy Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, he is risen. Yeah, amen. Amen. Yes, indeed. Okay, so I got to tell you, I didn't prepare anything for Easter. I had a moment last week where I was out walking, which I, when I say walking, I have a spot every day where I get to spend time with the Lord. I get to pray, I get to worship, I get to wait on the Lord. And I had this thought, and I want to give you this thought. In Ephesians 1, 4, it tells us, I got to look at it, I know it, but I got to look it up. When you get up here, it changes. So, you know, when you get up here, it changes. Just as he knew us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy, blameless before him. He knew us. He knew us before the foundation of the world. That hit me. It also says somewhere in Isaiah that he formed us in the womb. So before the foundation of the world, he knew us. He formed us in the, from the womb. Where does that put us before we're born? Consider that. Where does that put us before we're born? In the mind of God. We were an idea. We were a, a, a thought in the mind of God before the earth ever existed. There's a thought for you. There's a thought for you. And then we're born. And I can't speak for you. But the world got in. There were influences, worldly influences. There were worldly misdirections. There were things that happened in my life that sort of broke that connection that God had with me before the foundation of the earth. It didn't break his connection with mine. It broke my connection with him. And there comes a point where you have to reconnect words that start with R. Reconnect. You reconnect. There's a reawakening with God, a rebirth. Born again. Born again. And then the process. And I've gotten to a point in my life, and it's not necessarily a point. It's a purpose to reconnect and get reacquainted. Reacquainted with my Savior. Reacquainted with God. And how do I do that? How do I get reconnected? Reacquainted. How do I get reacquainted? I read the Word. Romans 12, 2. This is renew your mind. And again, this is one of my verses, but I'm going to have to read it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Another one of those are words. Renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is acceptable, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. On this Easter Sunday, when he is risen, let's reconnect, let's reacquaint ourselves. Read our Bible. I didn't, I'm not going to say read your Bible, but read your Bible. I think. All right. Let's all rise. Lord Jesus, ah, Savior, you have risen for us. 
And I pray, Lord, that we take every opportunity to get reacquainted with you. Lord, to renew our mind to that which you would have us do, to renew our mind in that which you teach. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you, Lord, for your loving sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Every victory is yours. Picking up on what Tom left off on with the R words, we have reconnected, restoration, and renewing our mind, but we also are called to remember. So we are here this morning to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we're also here to remember, as we take communion this morning, we remember what happened three days earlier when he was with his disciples at Passover. Um, he called them to remember what he was about to do on the cross. And so as he um, broke the bread and as he passed the cup, he called them to do this in remembrance of him. So as we take communion this morning, we're going to do that in remembrance of what he did and also in remembrance of the victory that we have from his resurrection just three days later. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So when you're um, coming forward, make sure when you take the cup, there's actually two cups. So the bread is in the bottom cup and the juice is in the top cup. So take them both together and you can take it back to your seat and, and uh, receive it as, as you want to. We don't have to wait for everybody. So um, just come forward as, as you uh, feel led and uh, we'll receive this together. So thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to remember what you did on the cross for us, that you took the saint, sin, you took the shame, um, you took the, the weight of the world upon you and you paid it all. So, Lord, we can live in victory. We can live in remembrance of that victory and that we have been given the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He rose. And on this morning where obviously today's celebration is brought to you by the letter R, why don't you greet somebody with He is risen. Amen. And release the kids. Release the children. But greet somebody and say, He is risen. He is rose.
But I am persuaded Beyond all hope You won't let go of me I stake my... Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. As you're uh, settling back in, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. It's the story of the resurrection, at least in Matthew's gospel. But as uh, if you've been here for the last number of weeks, uh, I'm going to be picking up on the, uh, the uh, Hearing the Voice of God series next week again. Uh, I was going to actually preach it today, but it's Easter. Amen. Amen. So I've changed it up a bit. We're going to read the the uh, uh, resurrection story from Matthew, but I want to give you a little bit of heads up leading into it to put it into context because, you know, if you just look at the one part of the story, the one thing, you know, it's, it doesn't, you don't get the full impact of what actually happened, what was actually going on at the time. Uh, it was interesting. Thank you, Justin, for leading communion this morning. And he said, as he was talking about that, that three days earlier, he had had the Last Supper. We, we know about the Last Supper. And, and uh, in uh, liturgical churches, there's actually the Holy Week. And there's a reason that it's the Holy Week, because there were a number of things that happened from, uh, really, from the Sunday before, which is... Palm Sunday, all the way through to Monday, Thursday, uh, all the way to Good Friday and, and beyond. And uh, this year, especially, it doesn't always line up, but this year, so especially, it actually lines up with the Jewish calendar, and it actually lines up with the, the Passover celebration. And if you know anything about the Passover, there were specific things that happened on specific days. And in that, uh, there's a sermon I've done over a couple different times over the last 20 plus years, um, talking about Holy Week. It's not like you actually think it is. It's not like we've traditionally celebrated, but we traditionally celebrate it in the order that we do because it works into people's work schedules in reality. You know, so Passover actually started last Saturday. So if you think about Passover, it actually started last Saturday at uh, sunset, and that's how the Jewish day works is it begins, the things that begin or end at sunset and begin at sunrise and so on. And, and, uh, but it began Saturday night. What happens on the first full day of Passover is what? Does anybody know what happens on the first full day of Passover? The official process? The lamb is presented that they're going to sacrifice. Each family has to choose a lamb and that happens on the first day of Passover, which is... Palm Sunday. The Jesus was presented and the people as he was coming in were going, this is the one. He's the king. He's the, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They chose their Passover lamb. Interesting. Then what happens? Does anybody know what happens for the next three days? They're inspected. The, the, they choose the lamb, but they need to make sure there's not a spot or a blemish on this lamb. So they put it in a pen all by itself and they, they study it. They watch it. They look at it. They have people that scrutinize it. They look at whether it's limping or whether it's blind or if it has some sort of defect or what, 
or whatever. And so what happened from Monday through Wednesday? Does anybody know what happened according to the biblical story? He was inspected by the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law. He was asked questions, and you can read through it. So from Monday through Wednesday, he was scrutinized. He was, he was, uh, you know, looked, or Monday, I'm sorry, Monday and Tuesday, he was scrutinized, and they asked him questions. What happens if somebody's uh, uh, divorced, and, or uh, I'm sorry, has married somebody and then dies, and then marries and dies, and marries and dies, and, you know, and all that story? Or what, who should we give our money to? Caesar, you know, and he said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and give unto God what is God's. He he studied that, and they, at the, on the last day of that testing, what did they say? We find nothing wrong with him. The Jews said that. The, the Pharisees and the scribes, they said they quit asking him questions because they could find nothing wrong in him. Interesting. On uh, Tuesday night, this last Tuesday night, was when the Essenes, do you know who the Essenes were? The Essenes were the ones who actually wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls, or, or kept the Dead Sea Scrolls. And if you go there, the Essenes were a very strict sect of the Jewish faith. I mean, they thought that everybody else were a bunch of flaming uh, heathens. You know, uh, they, they didn't like what was going on in Jerusalem. They wouldn't go to Jerusalem because they saw it as an abomination. They were strict. They wanted to bring it back to the, what God had intended. Kind of how Jesus felt about the world. So on, on Tuesday night, they actually celebrate the Passover meal. That's when they celebrate it. And that's actually when Jesus celebrated. When we see the Last Supper, it was Tuesday night that he celebrated the Passover, uh, the celebration. And we notice that as he ate the meal, it talks about the bread at the beginning of the meal, and it talks about the wine at the end, because the, the Essenes celebrated a meatless Passover. Why? Because they were waiting for the Passover lamb. And who was the Passover lamb? Jesus. Jesus was the Passover lamb. That next morning on Wednesday morning is when the Passover lamb was actually killed. And that's what it says in one of the Gospels, that as he was being hung on the cross, the Passover lambs were being killed. Interesting. His blood was being shed at the same time as the Passover lamb, the the lamb that caused God to to go past them, the blood that was put on on the doorpost, the frame and the doorpost. And if you look at the cross, the idea of the cross, there was blood across the cross and it was dripping down both sides. He was the lamb that took away the sin of the world. And then he was in, the Bible says he was in the grave three full days, Thursday, uh, all day uh, from Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and on the first morning. And on the, the uh, Passover actually ends Saturday night, Sunday, first thing Sunday morning. That was the first time they could go to the tomb. So Easter's on the right day, just so you know, not to completely throw you off track, you know, and mess you all up theologically, but Easter's on the right day. We're celebrating on the correct day. Amen? That's a good thing. So that's what's happened all the way up, into, up to this. But what happened was, when, they, when Jesus came on Palm Sunday, what were they expecting? They were expecting a king. They were expecting the savior of Israel. They were expecting Jesus to restore everything back to the way it was originally and to kick the Romans out. They were expecting, here we go. 
Now we're going to take care. And that's why the, the disciples were going, oh, I want to sit on the right side of your throne, and I want to sit on the left side of your throne. They could see it coming. Their expectation was that Jesus was going to, going to uh, come in and rule and reign from that day forward. But as the week progressed, some things started falling apart. One of them was, all of a sudden Judas realized, he keeps talking about how he's not gonna, that he's, that he's gonna die. Wait a second. This is not what I expected. This is not what I had planned for. Wait a second. Because Judas was a, was a zealot. And a zealot was somebody, he didn't like Rome. He wanted Rome taken care of. He wanted them kicked out of Israel. They were, they were, he was looking for a way to overthrow the, the Roman government. And so as, when he realized, Jesus says, I'm not here to take away Caesar's money. I'm not here to take away authority. If, if you, if, if, if the soldier asks you to carry his, his, his equipment for one mile, take it two. Wait a second. What do you mean? We're not, you mean we're supposed to pay taxes to Caesar? Wait a second. I, Pretty soon, he's so disillusioned, he decides, hey guys, how much will you pay me to, 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 you know, betray him? Expectations. The disciples thought he was going to be king and they were going to be ruling. The, the, uh, the, the, you know, Judas was expecting to overthrow Rome. The rest of the world, they had expectations. Here we go, this is it. And what happens is he didn't fulfill those dreams. He says, no, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to die. And on that day, on the day of his, his crucifixion, he died on that cross. And everybody who had walked with him for years, for three years, were standing there in disbelief going, what just happened? This is not what I expected. This is not what we had planned. I don't get it, even though he had said it over and over and over and over. He said, this is where we're headed, guys. This is what we're doing. He died on that cross, and they put him in a tomb. And when they put him in the tomb, I mean, my guess, it doesn't say specifically what each disciple or what his family or what anybody else was thinking. My expectation was he dead. The only ones who actually wanted to make sure that he stayed dead were the Jews. And they put a guard at the door. They asked for a guard to be put there, you know, Roman soldiers or somebody, and they wanted to make sure he stayed dead. They were the only ones that had a little bit of inkling of what might happen because they remembered what he said. The, it says the disciples didn't even recognize that. But the Jews heard it. And they're like, we're going to make sure he stays dead. So they put a guard at the door. And then from there, we get to the, the story, Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 1 says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. What did they expect when they got there? Today is all about expectations. What was the expectation? They expected to go there and for there still to be a stone blocking that tomb. Now, they, had, they hurriedly took Jesus' body from the cross right to the tomb. They didn't have time to prepare him for burial. They didn't have time to embalm him, the spices and everything else. But remember what Jesus said when he was at the table, and, the, and it was, I believe it was Mary Magdalene who poured the oil on his feet. It says that she does this to prepare me. God took care of it well before. He knew what was going on. She's doing this to prepare me. 
for my death. So he was already anointed. He was already prepared. And so they get there, but they, they brought the spices because they thought, well, we, had, we didn't get, but who's going to roll away the stone? They expected that for it to not work well for them. We're just a couple of ladies. And we're not talking, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I had to move some, some bricks this last week at home. And it was like, man, after two or three, it was like, Phew, this is work. I had to sit down. But we're talking about a door-sized rock. Who's going to move it for us? Their expectation was completely different than what was about to happen. So, now after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sent or went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the, tr the guards trembled and became like dead men. That is not what they were expecting. That was the last thing. Do you ever wake up on, in a, on a certain morning, any, any morning, just pick any morning, and you wake up and you have your expectations for the day, okay? And then as the day goes on, things happen or they don't happen. Well, things you expected to happen didn't happen. Or things that you did not expect at all, they did happen. Because you know, you, when you wake up first thing in the morning, you go, well, the day is wide open here. Anything could happen. That is not what they were expecting. They did not expect an a earthquake and, and, a, and an angel and a rock being rolled away. I just love the fact that it says he rolled away the rock and he sat on it. That just, that's interesting, isn't it? That's just an interesting, why, you know, why was that in there? Because it's just kind of cool, you know? It's like, check that out, you know? Watch that. You weren't expecting that, were you, you know? They weren't expecting that to happen. And they're like, they're, you know, they're amazed. They're freaked out. The, the guards were so freaked out, they just tipped over. <laughs> so they were like dead men. Was that they were playing dead because they thought, ah, I don't want nothing to do? Or did they actually pass out? We don't know. But it says they just tipped over. <laughs> That's cool. I love when God does stuff because it's usually unexpected. You don't expect, expect battle-hardened soldiers to freak out when things don't go the way they expect. These guys, I mean, these, these weren't the wimps, man. They, they were soldiers. But they just tipped over. They went out. We get to verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. They were expecting to find Jesus, but they were expecting to find him dead. He is not here. Wow, he is not here. He is not here. He is risen. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. They were in fear because, my goodness, what is going on? What's happening? This doesn't make any sense. That's not what we're expected. We expected to get here, have to have to roll the stone away, have to embalm a dead body that's been dead for three days. And remember what he said about, about Lazarus? You know, after four days, he was stinketh. They weren't really looking for... Stinketh, that's, that's the, yeah, stinketh. <laughs> He smells. Okay, he stinketh. I know, sometimes I switch back over to the King James. It just comes out. It's just years, years of King Jameseth. And, uh, but they just like, 
This is not what we expected, but okay, this is exciting. He's not here. Well, he's not, apparently not there. They hadn't seen him yet, but their expectations were beginning to change. They were expecting something different than what was natural. They were expecting something different than the normal everyday. They were expecting something different than what everybody else had seen and heard and done and expected. I mean, only two of them came out. If they had all expected for him to raise from the dead, they had all showed up. But they didn't. They didn't show up. Why? Because they were expecting him to be dead. And if they went outside of the upper room, they were expecting to get arrested and them hung up on a tree. Put it into reality. Things don't look good for us. We were with him every day. We're known as one of the disciples. Peter, you were with Jesus. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. I saw you. No, I wasn't. I can tell by your accent. You're one of them. No, I am. Blankety blank, blank, blank. Not him. Not them. Their expectations was this is going to get ugly. And instead, everything changed. Everything changed. Isn't it amazing? You see the pattern starting to develop? God can do the unexpected. No matter what you woke up this morning thinking, or possibly dreading, or possibly fearing, God can, God can sort this out. If he can raise somebody from the dead, or should I say, since he can raise somebody from the dead, since he can send an angel to roll a stone back and earthquake and freak out a bunch of soldiers, he can do pretty much anything. Okay, let me clarify, he can do anything. What's your expectations? Ah, what's your expectations? What are you expecting this morning? Verse 9. As they were running away, they were filled with great joy and they were also in fear. Verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. <laughs> you know, hey, how you doing? You know, what's up? Exactly. <laughs> Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. You notice how this just changed? They went from our buddy Jesus, well, this prophet Jesus, to this, we need to worship you. Why? Because he's God. He is God. They came, and, uh, came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Change your expectations. Change your expectations from he's dead to go to Galilee, they're going to see me there. He wanted them to change their expectations. Now, it doesn't talk about that in this part of the story, but when in other Gospels, it says when they went and told them, what did, they, what, what did the disciples say? I don't believe you. They don't believe you. You know what's interesting? Where did Jesus find them when he finally revealed himself to them? in the upper room in Jerusalem. Jesus had to change his plans. He, didn't, he, he said, go to Galilee, and then they'll see me there, and they wouldn't leave. So he's like, okay, fine. You know, sometimes we don't even believe it when God says he'll do something. Hmm. And where does he say he'll do something? In his, in his word. He says, when he gives us all the promises, we don't even believe him sometimes. And, he's, and he doesn't look at him and go, well, skip you guys, I'm going to Galilee. If you don't come to Galilee, you're not going to see me. No, he finally went, okay, if you're not going to leave the upper room, I'll come to the upper room right through the wall. Phew! You know, 
God's gracious that way. Even when we doubt, and we all doubt, we all have, this week, I don't know what I was going through, some kind of a funk, a few days there, I finally had to grab a hold of my ear, you know, look at myself in the mirror and go, knock it off. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Why? Because, because this world will take you down, man. It'll, it'll cause you to not expect Great things. It'll cause you to not expect the blessings of God. It'll cause you to, to, to expect failure. It'll cause you to expect hurt and, and pain and all these other things. That's, that's where conditioned daily not to expect anything from God. But He can do the impossible. He does the impossible. He changes the circumstances from what they are in this moment to what He said He would do. He did what he said he would do. So he says, go and tell them to be there. And we get to verse 16. Now the 11, well, it says that the 11 went to Galilee, but were they in an upper room in Galilee? I don't know. To the mountain. Oh, this, is the, it was, this skips all the way to the end. This is, 50, this is 40 some days later because this is where he's resurrected. Now the 11 went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. They had seen him. They had seen him for 40 days. He had showed himself to over 500 people. And they're seeing him. They're eating with him. You know, that's how I know that this part, they, it, Matthew skips to the end and talks about being in Galilee. Because we know that he was in the upper room. We, we know that he went to Emmaus, the road, on the road to Emmaus. He went to number, the people saw him in a number of different places other than Galilee. But even after those 40 days, they still doubt. Why? Because we're human. Even after you see God move powerfully, after you see somebody healed, after you see somebody set free, after you see somebody's a miracle of finances or whatever it is, then we have run up against our own problem, and what happens? Yeah, God did it for Peter, but he likes Peter. God, God did it for Jeremy, but you know, God, you know, has pity on Jeremy. You know, I don't know. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean he's going to do it for me. I can expect for a miracle for somebody else, but, you know, for me, I mean, I just know what this, I know the situation. It's not good. It's, un, it's I don't have much of an expectation. I'm expecting failure. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, Jesus had said this from the very beginning. He had said, I didn't come here of my own will. I didn't come here to say what I wanted to say. I didn't come here to do what I wanted to do. I came here to fulfill the will of the Father. And from the beginning, from Genesis 1.1, his plan, God's plan was to have a relationship with human beings. God's plan from the very beginning was for man and God to walk together. And when man and God were in the, in the garden, he came down daily. And it says that he walked with them and he talked with them. 
We've touched on that a little bit over the last few weeks about hearing the voice of God. That was his plan from the very beginning. But because of sin, because man didn't believe it, because man didn't trust God, because when as soon as Satan said, well, are you sure that's what God meant? Adam and Eve were like, well, yeah, possibly. Why would they doubt God? Because we have a choice. We have a choice to believe God or not. And all the way through his, his, his uh, ministry, he kept saying, he kept taking them off to the side and saying, guys, I just need to let, I, I want to remind you, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm, they're going to kill me. They're going to tor- torture me. They're going to kill me. But I have to die. And then I'm going to be raised to the dead. And over and over and over again, they go, hey, it says that they had no idea what he was talking about. They didn't get it. Even when God is speaking clearly to us, much of the time we don't get it because we have our own stuff going on up here. Apparently. You see, I, I'm, I'm right with you. Apparently yesterday my wife walked up and told me something very important. And this morning I went, what's this all about? And she goes, I told you yesterday. <laughs> I see a lot of women nudging their husbands right now. <laughs> and I said, what was I doing at that moment? She goes, does it matter? Which I said, yeah, it matters what I was doing at that moment. <laughs> Because if it was when I was underneath the lawnmower changing the blades, I was thinking about something else. And I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Human beings have the proclivity. Ooh. Ooh. They, they have a bent. They have a leaning to not believe what they hear. I mean, the Bible's full of stuff saying this is who God is. This is what God's done. But our expectations are different. Why? Part of the time is we're not listening. So when things don't go the way we expect them to go, then it's God's fault. Instead of doing what he said to do, living the way he told us to live, my goodness, I could have have avoided tons of heartache and pain. Young people, I could have avoided tons of heartache and pain if i just listened to god if i'd have believed from the as a child i mean i heard it from the moment i mean probably from the moment i was born my mom was a believer my dad was a believer i grew up in the church i heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it and then when i was 18 i was smarter than everybody else i could have i could have avoided why because my expectations are well now i can do whatever i want Instead of believing what God said, he goes, don't, you know, sin is good for a while. But all the way through the Bible, God tells us how to worship him, how to have relationship with him, how to to relate to him. But we all think we have a better way to do it. We all think we have our way to do it. Why is that? Because we're human beings. And we have this Free will thing. The word freedom. The word freedom means something different. If you look at if you if you look in the dictionary today, and it's, it means something different than it meant two hundred years ago. Do you know what the word freedom meant two hundred years ago? I looked it up one time because there's a, there's a dictionary of the words that they use when they wrote the Declaration of Independence. 
And I, look, I looked up that word freedom. I was doing a series on freedom, and I wanted to... It meant something different back then. Because the way we look at it is, we, you know, in today's day and age, we have the freedom to do whatever we want. Do you know what the definition for freedom was 200 years ago? You have the freedom to choose rightly. You have the, you have the, the freedom to choose righteousness. We, why? Because we know different. We're not, we're not animals that just go along with the day and let whatever happens, happens. No, we have, a, a, we have a God who loves us and gives us wisdom and knowledge to be able to live our lives correctly. We have the freedom now to do it because if you live any other way, that's bondage. We don't know that. We think that's freedom, and it isn't. It's bondage. It steals, and it kills, and it destroys. Freedom is doing things the way God said is the right way to do it, just like all the way back to the, back to the, uh, the, the garden. You know, in the garden, they had a choice. They had freedom to choose right or wrong, good or evil. But they had the knowledge. God says, I'm going to tell you the answer. Choose good. Choose life. Choose me. And as soon as the devil talked, I, I don't think that's what he meant. No, that's what he meant. And every day today, you can live your life any way you want. And the devil's saying to you, well, I don't think that's what he meant. No, that's what he meant. If he said, don't have sex out of marriage, he meant don't have sex out of marriage. If he said, children, obey your parents. Where's the children? I said, looking around. <laughs> children, oh yeah, yeah. I got one parent going. <laughs> if he says, children, obey your parents, he means it. Oh, could I get myself in trouble? I'll say it this way. Husbands and wife, he says to love each other and to, to submit to one another. Well, yeah, but he doesn't know my husband. <laughs> he doesn't know my wife. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. What are you expecting? What are you expecting today? Because your expectation will determine the decisions that you make. If your expectation is God is good and he has his plan for your life and he is moving in a direction you, and he wants you to follow him and he, his plan is a good one, you will be prosperous and blessed. But if you expect that, well, you know, I got the short end of the stick and things are rough and, you know, I'm just, it's not going to work out for me like the Bible says. I'm just going to, I'm going to try this on my own. Well, what you're going to get is something far less than what God had planned for you. And it all begins, it all starts with changing your expectation. God, I'm going to trust you. That's where it changed for me. It changed for me when I said, okay, I'm going to start trusting you. I'm sorry I, did, I ever doubted. I'm sorry that I chose my own way. I'm sorry that I, I left, that I ran away from you. I'm sorry. Father, forgive me. That's called repentance. Another R word. Thank you. Repentance. Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I, and, and repentance isn't just being sorry you got caught. 
Repentance means you're heading in one direction and you choose to turn around and go the exact opposite towards God instead of going that way. So that's why the Bible says don't be a double-minded person where one day it's like, that's awesome, and then, oh, no, I probably shouldn't do that, you know, and then, there's something shiny, and then, you know. (laughs) Repentance means, repentance means we're going this way now. I'm after God. I'm going after God. I'm serving Him. I'm living. That's repentance. Repentance isn't saying you're sorry. Repentance is changing the direction of your life. It's a decision you make. You know, if you've been here for any length of time, you know, I don't have altar calls where people come up and... But why? Because anybody can walk up here and pray, say a word or whatever. You should pray and you should say, you should verbalize it. Where the change happens is tomorrow morning. That's where we see if you've repented is tomorrow and then next Thursday and next month and next year. When your life turns around and going, I'm going, I'm following. And if you're following after God and you always have, you know, have for 20 years, keep going. What I'm saying right now isn't for you. Now there's some things in your life you need to sort out. Little areas of repentance, little areas of, of turning and changing the way you do it. But if you've never received Christ, if you've never humbled yourself, if you've never repented and you're, start, you're heading in a direction that's leading to destruction, here's your opportunity right here, right now. I'm not going to have you come up front. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to have everybody close their eyes. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because the choice happens right here. It happens in you right here. You have your choice. Right now, you can never say you've never had an opportunity to repent and to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Because I'm giving you that opportunity right now. And here's how it happens. By saying, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I choose you. I choose life. I choose that what Jesus did on that cross that day, when he died on that cross, when his blood was shed, communion, he talks about this is my body or this is my blood shed for you for the remission of sins, for sins being taken away. I receive what that is. Because it's not just believing there is a God because a lot of people believe there's a God and they're still going to hell. There's a lot of people who think they believe in God and they even go to church and they're going to get to the end of their existence and they're going to be shocked. Because they thought they had it all sorted out. No, they went to church. He didn't say, for those of you who go to church, you're saved. No, he says, for if you repent, call on the name of the Lord, Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Do you know you can pray a prayer and if you don't make him the Lord of your life, what does that mean? That means he's the boss. If he tells you to live your life a certain way, then you do that. You do what it says. Well, how am I supposed to know what he said? It's in the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Another R word. Read. The Bible. Why? Because he'll tell you how to live your life. Well, I don't like it because every time I read it, something comes up that I don't like. Deal with it. Exactly. I knew a guy one time. He, he, was, he was backslidden. He, was, he had gotten saved at a very young age. He was backslidden. He had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost when he was a little kid. 
And one of, one of my friends asked him, he says, man, what the, how, how are you doing? He goes, not good. My life's really bad. And these, are, these things are happening. He goes, well, just pray in the Spirit. And the guy goes, oh, I can't pray in the Spirit. He said, why not? He says, you were saved as a small child. I remember when you got saved. I, saw, I was there when you got filled with the Holy Ghost. Why can't you? And he goes, because every time I do, I feel guilty. Then do it. Keep doing it. Deal with it. Why? Because that's what leads to life. Choosing every day to make him the Lord of your life. So how do you receive Jesus? You repent for your sins. You choose what he did on the cross for you, and then you make him the Lord of your life. And you say it with your mouth. You could come up here and say it. That'd be great. You could sit right there and say it. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I repent for my sins. You could do it on the way drive home today. You could do it tomorrow morning when you wake up. You, I don't Do it. Doesn't matter when and how and where, just do it. And your life is different. Then let him be the Lord of your life. Let him lead you and guide you. And in that is life. And then your expectations change. Your expectations change from death to life. Your life will change. You listen to what the word says, you do let him be the Lord and you do what he tells you to do. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Man, I could have people give testimonies all morning long here about what God did when they said, you know what, I'm in. I'm sorry, I'm in. I choose you. I choose to let, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Was it easy and, and fast to begin with? No, it's hard because the flesh wants to do what it used to do. The spirit's renewed, but the flesh is weak. So what do you got to do? Deal with the flesh. Tell it no a bunch. But that hurts. I know but it's worth it. Choose life. Change your expectations. Praise the Lord.